0: Thank you all for coming from near and from far. With the help of we're going to try to join together now for the next few minutes to enter into a different kind of of consciousness, a different kind of functioning. Not to get together and sing and to dance for the sake of singing and dancing, but for the sake of leaving outside the door our general state of being and to try to experience something deeper, a deeper part of ourselves that emerges through song. That emerges through dance, that emerges through Torah, that emerges through the moment that we're sharing together this Khalamay, the Simchas Beis HaShwei night. And the Yard Side, of course, Rabbi Nachman of Breslov's Chos Yadin will speak about Bezer Hashem. And I start Yilurotza Ibrahim Refiba, Yelim Yilifanacha that we should be together to share in something in a spirit of openness, in a spirit of silence, in a spirit of authenticity, in a spirit of yearning, so that we can merit to tap into the treasure house of spiritual energy that's available to us if only we open our heart to it. physical gates so and we need to get in. The truth is that every moment of life is a gate. Every single moment of life is a gate because the possibility of entering into that moment and accessing something beyond the apparent nature of whatever we're experiencing is so incredibly deep. Every single moment. The Shulchan Arif brings a Shuvah, transformation, returning to the source, can happen in a moment, in a moment, any moment. You're in the supermarket, you're walking down the street, you're in a park, you're at the dinner table, drinking a coffee before shachars, after shachars. v'riga we ask HaKadosh Baruch, Master of Heaven and Earth, Tishuli Shari open for me the gates of time, so that I can be Awake to it when a great moment arrives. The Ramban says quoted by all the tsadiqan. iru ta'iru The Ramban says the tehbatz is milashun khaifets. Khaifats is a thing, is an item, a physical container. So the Ramban says when inspiration hits make it real, make a clean, make a vessel. Don't let it pass, don't let it pass, because it's not just that moment that will pass. It's the succession of moments until many, many years down the line, you turn around and you say, whoa, makara!" And it wasn't decades that passed, it was just the moments. And so I bless us that we should open our heart and beg HaKadosh Baruch Hu, pishuli shari let me not miss those moments. And while we're asking for that, we can also say, Hashem, let this be one of those moments that we don't miss. Let's be in it fully, fully together with open hearts and open minds. Let In the Beis HaMikdash, the Simchas Beis HaShueva. will speak a little bit more about that as well. We have to remember and we have to make sure that our children really recognize and realize and bless us all, Beis HaShem, at the right time to bring children into the world. To see It needs to be clear to us and clearer to our children that the Yiddishkeit that we have today, even with wonderful shuls like there and run the for Rabbanim, and yeshivas and, and, and everything that we have Yiddishkeit today is a caricature of what Yiddishkeit really looks like in Yerushalayim HaVinuyah where all of us belong where all of us are on our way what Yom Kippur looked like in the Besan Hamikdash was a far cry from even the most glorious service that we could imagine what sukkis was what Regal was the Simcha's Beis Hashoeva was to the point that the Gemara tells us famously that whoever didn't see that Simcha never saw Simcha in his life never saw Simcha. So for us, this experience, while sweet, because the highest joy in the world we we need to be so happy the whole entire Yom we can't be anything but the Simcha, it's still a little bit bittersweet because we realize that this is not it. (laughs) This is just not it. This is not it. This is not it yet. We're badere, We're on the way. And I believe very much that gatherings like these are part of the way back. And part of bringing the world to a state of real awareness. A gu'ula level consciousness. We need to begin tonight after a little bit of introductory Nagunam We need to really begin with a tefillah. We need to dive into our Baruch Hu that Haracham on a Yakim Lanum. As Sukkah david dubbed, We haven't forgotten. We're not stuck. We're not stuck. We're not stuck. And we're not settling. We're not settling. Handan is wonderful. We're not settling. We need to be back in Rosh And our hearts need to be filled all the time with this Bakasha. Our Kurdish it's sweet, it's cute. It's not enough for us. We're demanding the Beis Hamikdash. We're doing everything that we can to bring it. So join me in this
1: Tvibah. We are
0: Master of Heaven Earth. a leaf was nice, but we need to base something touch. <laughs> okay, that part was a tefillah. Now we mamish need to sing with the confidence of knowing that it's mamish happening. We're minutes to dawn. We're minutes to dawn. We're mamish holding on. What a privilege to be Yid and what a privilege to be a Jew. In 2022 still holding on. We're part of it.
1: Et are the champions. Oh, Est-ce la, 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 la,
0: Before that, everything that we're doing here now is just a zecher, is just a little bit of a taste of the simcha's beisah shweba. What was? What's the big thing? Drawing water, pouring on the mezbeach. What's the big simcha? What's the big joy? What's the big deal? So, here's a very, very deep thing. we live in a physical world, it's the world that we perceive around us with our senses, the world that we experience. But the can teach that this world that we find ourselves in is only the final, 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 final link in a very long chain that extends far beyond our experience of reality. And that chain is called the Seder Ha'ishtalshalos, the chain of emanation, the way in which creation unfolded through a series of spiritual realms until finally culminating in the physical realm that we find ourselves in. And the Tzadikim see this hinted to in the very first Pasik in this, in Ezar Hashem coming parashiyahs, bara elekim es. Now, the translation of those words is that in the beginning, Bereshis in the beginning, bara elekim es the it's God created the heaven and the earth. There's no real good translation in English for S. It seems to be an extraneous word. It could have just said, What's S? So The can teach that S is the first letter of the Aleph Beis and the very last letter of the Aleph Beis. That means to say that the first thing that happened even before the formation of a physical heaven and of a physical earth, was the journey from Aleph to Taf. Aleph hinting, of course, to the Aluf shal it's called the chief of the world. Hashem is Aleph, he's Echad, he's one. Hashem himself, the most spiritual of all, spiritual beyond form, beyond anything, the infinite one, Ein Sof, all the way until the Taf. The Reish Bara elikim. In the beginning, what happened? S. the journey from Aleph to Taf, and the word S itself is the Shorish of the word Asa, as we're going to means to approach. So that means the first thing that happened was that a so to speak, approached from Aleph, from a realm of complete spirituality all the way down to Tav. At which point the physical world was created with a series of spiritual links in that chain before finally culminating, uh, culminating again, in our reality around us. Now, the svarim say that the very first stage, from our perspective, of creation unfolding is called the realm of ayin. Ayin means nothingness. From our perspective, ayin nothingness. That means from our human physical conception, that realm is meaningless to us in the sense that it so far transcends any categories we have of time or space or matter. It's I. as if it doesn't exist. But of course, it's the root of all existence. It just transcends our categories. The final stage the same letters, but it's a completely different word, is the word ani. Ani. From ayin to ani. From the realm of nothingness to the realm of divinity splintered into fragmented pieces of consciousness called the human ego. Each and every one of us carry within ourselves a part of that consciousness. And we experience that as being ani. That's me. And so we, in our experience, are the very, very end of of a glorious process that begins with Hashem himself, so to speak, and culminates, journeying from Ayin down to the realm of Ani. And here's an amazing thing. On Tashlich, we go out to the water, many reasons, many deep reasons, Ashloch is an amazing, amazing experience. And we throw certain parts of us into the water. We get rid of them. We need a clear break. Rosh Hashanah, Yim Kippur, Yaman, Narayim, days of awe, days of judgment. And we throw our sins into the river. We feel that as fragmented beings, there are parts of us that simply have no place within our ideal experience. Because there's their sins and the things that we shouldn't have done, the ways that we didn't really want to behave. The ways that we know our standards are higher than that. We know it. We know it. And we're ready, Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, we're ready to cut that part away and to throw it into the river. And that's what we must do as part of that process. Sukkus is connected to the mitzvah of Das. Das means integration. Das means a level of consciousness, a level of awareness, where the totality of a thing is able to be processed, is able to be perceived. The all of something. Das is chibur. Das is connection. Das is the big picture. And in this incredibly big picture, we somehow get to the level where we realize that all of a life unfolding is a continual process of a Kodesh Baruch Hu revealing himself. Because Hashem is Hayah He was, He is, He will be. We say from this earthly realm Hashem Malach, Hashem Melech, Hashem Hashem is, was, will be. But in our experience of time, it's Hashem telling a glorious story that we're a part of. And what's so crazy is is that we can be conscious of it and it makes no difference. Because life will still unfold exactly as it unfolds. makes no difference if we know the secret of the fact that God is actually unfolding life through us. Because we perceive ourselves as having free choice. We perceive ourselves as being independent actors, conscious beings. But Das, the big picture comes to allow us to taste and this is very deep comes to allow us to taste a completely different understanding of what it was that we threw into the water at Tashla because at that point there are parts of me that I want to keep there are parts of me that I wish weren't parts of me and in my ideal striving In a time of incredible aspiration and yearning, I need to be realistic. I need to let go of certain parts of me, things that I did in the past that I don't want. And I need to strive, and I need to set my sights the highest they can possibly be. And that's true, and that's good, and that's healthy, and that's necessary. And that's what we're called upon to do over Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. But here the deepest thing in the world is that when it comes Simchas Beis Hasho'eva that can teach, through the prism and the lens of Das, of a Lay basuka, vasukah, where we're expected not to move, and not to strive, and not to... But just to be. To be with a very big, broad-minded awareness of the way in which there's nothing but a nothing, nothing. Nothing. I need to draw back up all of those parts of me that I threw in by Tashlech. Because at this point, I realize, you know something? I reach a level of awareness that without having had those falls or stumbles or failures or circumstances that pushed me into dark places in myself, I would never have a platform from which to launch to ever greater levels of awareness, ever greater levels of honesty, of humility, of opening up the Akadosh Baruch in the way that the Katskar says, where is God? Well, he's wherever you let him in. Is wherever you let him in. And when we're pushed to the edge, like the Pasuk says, enosh adaka. when we're pushed to the edge, and we feel as if we're the only ones in the world who can really understand what we're experiencing, we feel a little bit alone. And I bless us to feel this way, because it means that you're alive. It means that you're feeling. It means that you're in tune with moments. And that life is not just passing you by, because life is an emotional journey. It's an epic so the Passo continues, Shuvu Adam. From that place of having been pushed, of having struggled, and having faced and tasted your humanity, okay, Shuvu Adam. From there, there's a new portal open to allow Akadah into my life in this way. Is it ideal? Most certainly not. But from a retrospective standpoint of unbelievable clarity, we're able to realize you know something? That was also part of me, that was also part of this story. Because the ani of me, and that includes all of me, and my circumstances, and my upbringing, and every kind of experience that I had up until this point, and every dream and aspiration for the future, and all of my talents, and abilities, and so on and so forth, and all the struggles, and and failures, and I realized that ani, even though it seems like a shard, is a holographic representation and manifestation of I, of the realm of everything. Shammai is the idealist. Shammai is a captain. Shammai needs things to be very specific. Hillel is the pragmatist. Hillel is the one who takes into account the way reality actually is, the foibles and the, and the, and the vicissitudes of the human condition. Hillel is Roshetavis, haroyfei vishvurei lev. Hillel. Because Hillel understands that people are broken, that people are people. And through that he's able to provide a spirit of healing. And so when Hillel comes to the Simchas Beis HaShueva, what does he say? What does he proclaim? What song does he sing? He sings, Hey, I'm As long as I'm here, me, as me, with every part of me, the good, the bad, and the ugly, the authentic me, with my story, not the way that I, I pretend to be, but, but the real me. And the way that only I know, in the deepest, darkest pocket pockets of what I experience. I realize that my journey up until this moment is a reflection of the all, of the ayin. And perhaps that's the great Simcha Simchas Peis Maybe that's the great Simcha of Sukkot is to say, hey, you know, in the big picture we're justified. We're justified, and we're trying, all of us are trying, and all of us struggle, and all of us go through what we go through. But over here we're pulling back up all the things that we threw in by Baitashla, and we say, this is part of my story. And I'm doing nobody a service in overlooking them, because they too are gates to great levels of experience. And I bless us to hold on to them, to honor them, to hold space for them, to strive like Hillel for the, for the heights. But at the same time to realize those moments of failure, like Gemarim Gittin tells us, Ein adam lay me tarah, adam It's an amazing thing. A person can't succeed in learning until he makes mistakes. Because there's learning in a classroom and then there's learning in life. <coughs> and we need both kinds of learning. And the learning in life, you don't have to go looking for those teachings. It, it's just called life. But to be open to it, to see all of life as an opportunity for connection an opportunity for vulnerability an opportunity for becoming more real for becoming more anchored more connected money come amazing thing so then i go okay join me yeah I live
1: baby sa irene be good. do from the top Oh yeah, I
0: Coming off the 25th of Tishrei, the of he was a tzaddik known as the Sanighoer in Yisrael. He was the defender of the Jewish people. He believed in every Jew. He believed in every Jew, and he refused to see anything but sweetness, holiness yearning, striving, trying, attempting, deep, deep, deep deep-seated purity in every single yid, no matter who. And so when we sing this niggin, in addition to every other kavana that you want to have, which is the gift of a wordless melody, that there are no words, because you're meant to put your own words to it, in your head and in your heart, and maybe even to express something that's wordless, that can't be expressed in words, that can't be captured in the vessels of the spoken word. But in addition to all of those kavanahs, to try to see yourself in this moment and the way that the Bredichever might see you. To try to unearth from under Some of the dried leaves and some of the dirt and some of the dust, the shining purity that you carry within you, and all of your trying, and all of your yearning, and all of your ideals for a perfected world, all of your well wishing to those you love. All of those feelings that if only things would be, and the way that you hope things might be, ah, the way that you would dive in, the way that you would learn, and the way that you would shine Hashem's light in the world.
1: i Yeah.
0: we can taste the shaman that we can experience that part of ourselves, that's pure, that's good, that's holy, that's sweet, that's full of life, that's full of hope, then love, it's a portal directly to you. So let's sit, we're sitting in chairs, what can we do? We're people, but to feel in this moment that we're more than that, we're far more than that. Shining souls, shining souls, sparks of godliness, full of gratitude. The first night of Sukkot, I apologize to those who were there last night and already heard the story, but it's good chazara. At least the tire is a different Tire. The story we can get away with. Rav Aaron Karlin the first night of Sukkot, would tell the following story. Rav Aaron Guggle of Karlin, the composer of the Piyot Echsoy, and then he sing, Friday night was one of the Tamidim the Magid Agodol, the Magid of the Maggit HaGadol, the Magad of And this is the story that he would tell first-night sukkahs. You see, in the city of Karlin, there lived a fabulously wealthy Jew by the name of Moshe. Moshe had a gigantic estate, sprawling grounds and a magnificent palace of a house. And it just so happened that bordering Moishala's property was the poorest dude in the whole Karlin. His name was Yankala. And Moishala, being the wealthiest person in the whole town, qualified for what Chazal say, Marv and a lot of times along with the accumulation of this worldly possessions in the pursuit of happiness it sometimes leads to to the exact opposite experience I don't want to say anything bad I saw a friend of mine posted to his WhatsApp status and again of course it's a generalization but it was an observation I don't know if he should should have posted it shouldn't have posted it but he did he said I'm walking down Guula, Erev Sukkis and he says, the poorest Israelis look a thousand times happier than the wealthy Americans <laughs> that are here for service. That's what he, that was his observation. Again, it might be a generalization. I'm sure there were sad Israelis and happy Americans, okay. But, but, but there was a point there, right? It doesn't take much to really be happy. And sometimes when we have a lot, we drown in it. And Moishala, his mom is drowning in it. He was miserable. He was just miserable. He was a grump. He was grouchy. Everything was down. Everything was pessimistic. And Yankala, who had no money to his name, was filled with the utmost joy. The utmost joy. In his simple way. Now, of course, whenever this Moshele encountered this very joyous Jew, his neighbor, Yankala, it it really ate him up. It bothered him. Because it was a reflection of, of how he knew his life was being lived. And he again tried to quench his thirst with things that he wasn't thirsty for. But the one time a year that it really got to a point where he couldn't handle it anymore was Sukkot. And this is because Memele during the year when he's in his home, so he only sees Yankala from time to time. But Sukkot for seven days, he's outside in his glorious Sukkah. And Yankala's outside in his shack of a Sukkah made out of wood that he somehow managed to collect because he didn't have any money to buy to buy su- I almost don't have the money <laughs> to buy, su- you know, sukkas. It's like a bad joke, Chazal say. Why is it called a Mitzvah Kallah? Because in kiss. You see, Chazal had a good sense of humor, right? But okay, so Yankula collected money, like little scraps of wood. He went around, in the month before sukkahs he put up a little shack. Mamash but his singing was His simcha was was unbelievable. With the little that he had, a little piece of uh, olive and a little fish or whatever he had. And that sound would go over the fence, over the, the ornate bushes, and it would float into Moshe's sukkah. And he was sitting there with this huge table and he was yelling at his wife and he was angry at his kids and, and this and don't touch that and that's very fancy and, and you're ruining my yontiv, And he couldn't handle it. Mamish couldn't handle it. Yeah, that's what Yankalus sukkah sounded like. you he writes, it was full of joy and he couldn't handle it. And so one year he had enough, after year and year and year of this, and he decided to use his influence to make sure that Yankala is not going to have a sukkah this year. He goes around to all the influencers in in the community. Back then, being an influencer actually meant you had influence. Today it means you're on TikTok or something, right? So it means he went to the people that actually had influence, and he told them he said, nobody is to give Yankel a wood for his sukkah. When he comes around collecting, nobody is to give him any wood. He can, he can celebrate sukkahs in somebody else's sukkah? He is not to have a sukkah this year. Okay, so comes El, at the end, beginning of Tishrei, and he's walking around from house to house like he usually does every single year, and Mamish doors are being closed in his face. Doesn't know what's going on, but he doesn't lose his bitachon, doesn't lose his reliance on Hashem his optimism, his radical optimism. But he starts to see a pattern, and it sets in as he reaches the outskirts of town that he actually might not have a sukkah this year. Doesn't know what to do. And he's thinking and thinking and thinking. And it's not people who have solutions that are optimistic, it's the optimistic people that find solutions, you understand? So his optimism keeps his mind wide open to any eventuality, and he thinks to himself, ah. There's one place in town that Mamish has a stockpile of wood that nobody's using, there's no excuse. What's this place? It's the Beis hakfaras. Because the Beis HaKfaris, before they do Hakamas Matseva, and put up an actual stone slab, so they have a whole stack of little pieces of wood that they put in the newly dug grave, and on it is engraved Peinun, which stands for Peinitiman, here is buried, and they would fill in the name in chalk and then they would have replaced it when it came time after the Shleishim for Hakamas Matseva. So he thinks in the cemeteries, so I'm sure they have a whole stack of this wood nobody's using. So he quickly runs down. He's anyway at the outskirts of the city at the border of the Beis HaKlars. He runs and he knocks on the shack of the person in charge of the Chavar Kadisha. He says, listen, I'm sure you won't mind. Let me borrow the wood over here. I'll build my sukkah with it and I'll bring it back after sukkahs. So the head of the Chavar Kadisha hadn't heard this edict, you know, from this wealthy kid, this Mashallah. And he says, "Strange thing, you know, but you're a strange fellow, <laughs> and uh, this is a strange place." He says, "Here, take it. Just make sure to bring it back." So he goes, and he has this cart, and he's bringing all this wood to his place, and he builds this haphazard sukkah out of headstones. And the whole sukkah is filled with painun and everywhere. Here <laughs> is buried. You know, that's his decoration, Painun. And that year was mamish, the highest, the highest of so the Pazik said, "Lo yamaisin, yah luka." You know, but mamish. His, his singing that year, because of what he had gone through, which itself speaks to the earlier point that we made, was all the stronger. And it comes the first night of Sukkot, and Lushal hears what's going on, and he's furious, he's furious. And he marches over to the property of Yonkele, and he bangs on the headstones, and they open the door, and he says, okay, the gig's up. He says, I'm the one who told everybody not to give you any wood. How do you do it? How do you have a sukkah? So in a moment of openness and inspiration, in a moment of great joy and confidence, <speaking in Hebrew> Yankala looks up at his neighbor and he says, I'll tell you what happened. He says, I talked to so, I went from house to house, nobody's giving me wood. And all of a sudden, as I reached the outskirts of town, I saw the Satan, you know, the Malach Satan it's walking down the street. This big pitchfork, whatever he's holding, and his you know his devilish horns and it's the whole thing. And I said to him, Ah, Malachamavas, where are you going? He said, I'm actually on the way to Moishela's house because it's his time to go. So the uncle tells Moishel in his sukkah, he says, I told the Malachamavas, I'll save you a trip. He's been dead for 30 years. He's Pasha dead, he's tight, he's not among the living. Because he's dead, he's he's alive. So the Malach Mavas, he tells Moshele, the Malach was so much Makir Chayv to me that he gave me all the headstones to build my sukkah. <laughs> so, so it's a joke, but it's, but it's serious because Moshele really, it hit him. And that moment was a gate for him. And he took it and he walked in. And he said, Yankali, he said, you know, you're right, I'm not dead. I'm dead. I'm alive. Davening three times a day, my starim. I have my coffee and I have my shul and I have my everything. But I'm just, I'm dead. I'm not, I'm not feeling anything. Teach me. And Yankala took him as his student, and he taught him the secret of simplicity. And he taught him the secret of humility. And he taught him the secret of amuna. And he taught him the secret of just what it means to be a simple yid, connected to Hashem all the time. Not just in the base midrash and the base kinesis, but every step that you take, this world is a joke. This world is a big joke. But Tis Chakliam that's the punchline. The Yamachan is the end of the joke, that that's what tishak. Don't take things so seriously. It's all a game. It's all a game. It's a serious game. But a Kodesh Baruch who's a captain who's running this ship. And when we let go, and when we leave, we don't fall. We sprout wings and we fly. Zman Hussein was a good opportunity for us to really reflect on our lives. And I try to do this from time to time. I struggle like the rest of us. And I try to make an assessment of my life to say, okay, I woke up this morning, but did I, did I mamish wake up? Or am I sleepwalking? The Balayard site, Rabbi Nachman writes a scary thing, an uncharacteristic thing, He says, yeesh, shamashim, there people. He says, they're oiv demes Hashem kol They serve Hashem. But he says, they ain't lashem nachas ruach Hashem doesn't have pleasure. I'm sure he loves them very much and they're going to get and everything else. But the pleasure of a relationship Hashem doesn't have with them. You know why? Because he says, they're sleeping their whole days, they're sleeping, they're asleep. Because you could do everything right. You could still be sleepwalking. And so I have to sometimes check myself and I try to look in the mirror and look into my eyes and say, Yaakov, you're awake? You're awake? Are you missing life? You're awake? Are you so busy because you're a big chinuch expert in reading all the books that you're missing what your child needs from you right now? Are you awake? You're awake to davening, awake to learning. You're awake to Yiddishkeit, our mission. And if we are, then we can change the world. And if we are and we must be, then we're mamish marching back to Yerushalayim. And that, I think, is really something to dance about. To really show ourselves in a Qurish yes, we're awake. We're using this moment as a portal, as a gateway. Pishulishari We're marching back home. We're bringing the whole world with us. Join me.
1: I love you, my life, 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 love you, my The drum that's rocking the radio, people reach get up, 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 get up,
0: The meat of Netzach. Netzach is eternality. Netzach is endurance, is strength. It's a strange thing. Because on Sukkis, we're told, mi diras keva, you leave the fortified structure. And you go into a diras arai, to a temporary structure. Same with diras keva, you come into a place that's it's not meant to last. It's temporary. You leave security and stability, or what appears to be stability and security. You go into a temporary dwelling, to a diras arai. But to those who really had eyes, with which to look at this world, al That Tzadikim really knew how to see this world. Nasan boy shal a shalat samas is an expression we find throughout the Gemara when an Amoira or a Tana was being bothered to the point where on a simple level he looked at him and he just turned them into a pile of stone, a pile of bones. That's what it means on a literal level. Nasan ain of boy. Just looked at him and zapped him. Nas gal shalat samas. Leinu teaches. No, look at the Lashem. It doesn't say he looked at him, the boy, or his stakel, but he looked at him. It says, nasan een of boy. The Tzaddik gives his eyes to those around him, meaning his perspective, his lens with which to see the world. The perspective of eene Hashem el Tzaddikim. A godly way of seeing things. I and mean, then you know what happened? Shal Gal shall atsamize. Gal mean pile, but it could also mean gili, revelation, and uncovering of atzameis can mean bones, but it could also mean atzmias, essentiality, that which is beyond the surface. The tzaddikim give us their eyes. And the inside becomes revealed what this world is all about. What people are all about. What Yiddishkeit is all about. And so with the eyes of the tzaddikim, we realize that it is incredibly counterintuitive, but it's hafuch. It's exactly the opposite of the way that we're regularly thinking about what's called the Diras Keva and what's called the Diras Are, because it just so happens to be that the moment that we take Chazal's advice, of me, Diras Keva, not just to leave a house, a building, and to go into a diras arai, to a temporary structure, but say to leave the mentality of taking this world so seriously to as to think that this is where it's at. And that the regular way that human beings function, interact, and the general way in which humans develop throughout their lives the different stages and ages and what we should want and what our aspirations should be, and the way that things are, the stuckness of being, of life, the diras keva, when we leave that mentality and we come into a diras aray, to realize that, like I mentioned before, the whole thing is a bit of a joke, and that a Jew is a mazal Yisrael, and we're not regular people, and we have a mission to the nations of the world, like we bring on um, Shivan paris the 70 karbanis for the nations of the world, because we have a mission to them, and we have a very specific shlichus in this place, and we're here temporarily, and that nothing is as it seems, and that Olam Hafech Reisi, then in a certain sense, to the extent, this is counterintuitive, to the extent that we detach from the viras keva, that's how much that we connect to that which is truly keva in the sense of eternally existing. That which is forever true, was forever true, will forever be true. So in a certain sense, sure, we're leaving Kvias, we're leaving a, a house, looks like pretty much it's keva, right? But if we can look at the world through Sukkot's eyes, all of a sudden you're connected to the midah of Meshra which is Nitzchiyas. And that's a very different thing from Kviyas. Because Keva means, okay, it looks like it's around for a long time. Nitzchiyas means it's forever, forever. Not Keva. it looks like a pretty sturdy building. Forever. We don't even have a conception of what that means. Eternity. Susukkah is in leaving or bringing us out, giving us an opportunity and an invitation to leave for a few moments, which hopefully we're experiencing together now, to leave for a few moments the regular flow and ebb and flow of daily life, and to come into a perspective of Diras Arai. Diras Arai, we're free, we're free. Ein ben Chayrin, there's nobody freer than a person that's connected to Torah in the deepest way. Not just the tire of a book, of a safer in front of you, but the tire of life. Taraschay and mamish, to live like a yid for real. This is who I am. I'm not British, and I'm not even Israeli. I'm a yid. Mamish, a Jew, from the top hair on the top of my bald, like rapidly balding head to the bottom of my toenails. I'm a yid. This is who I am. This is what I am. This is what I'll always be. This is what I ever was. To the extent that I enter into that kind of perspective, ah, uh, so then I'm connected to my Moisher. Then I'm connected to forever and then there's nothing, nothing, nothing that holds me down. And the cycles of futility that most human beings are trapped in simply don't apply to me. They just don't apply. I walk the same streets as everybody else. And I'm it's just, I'm not here. Not here. Sulam Yaakov. Mutsav Artsa, the bottom is mamish on the ground, but all of us are called upon to be. Rosham Giyah Just. We're on a little bit of a mission here. A little bit marching orders. Don't take this world too seriously. So you if I can, even, whether this is the right thing, but I think it's an important point. It's good to, it's good to know also, incorporate some of the Umasa'ilam also into our spiritual experience here, just for the purpose of drawing a contrast and to speak about the bala Mahavdulbin, Elifavdalis. I'm not going getting into the whole thing now, just to mention it. I don't have much patience for philosophy. Certainly, the Breslaver Hasidim don't really touch philosophy so much. But on my non-Breslaver days, existentialists, those that really speak about the big picture, the human condition, they speak to me a little bit. Just to find them a little bit amusing, certainly from the perspective of MS, just to see what human beings came up with. So there's an existentialist philosopher by the name of Albert Camus. He's a French, Algerian philosopher, who died very, very young in a car accident and is interesting and notable for his theory of the absurd. This was his big thing, the theory of the absurd, which means he was fixed on the idea that the human condition can be summed up by one word and one word only, and that's absurdity. Our condition is absurd. And that human beings, for the most part, are trapped in cycles of endless, endless futility, where there's no purpose to anything, and there's no chas again, just to draw a contrast. There's no meaning to anything. He's the pessimistic of all pessimistic philosophers, him and a few others. But he falls into this camp. Absurdity, this was his thing. And he wrote a very famous essay called The Myth of Sisyphus, which in Greek mythology is a story about a certain kind of, of being, that was cursed, as all along myself without getting whole thing. but he was cursed with having to carry a huge boulder on his back up a hill. Every morning he got this boulder and he had to carry it up a hill, and the minute that he got to the, to the top of the hill, he, he finally put it down and the boulder goes back to the bottom. And the next morning he has to do the same thing again and again and again. And this is the, is the senel of what this philosopher at Nebuch, he saw the whole world as being this process. So it's just you're just carrying heavy stones around. For what purpose, for, for what reason? Just finished. So you get it to the top of the hill, and then okay, you get to another hill, and the boulder rolls back <laughs> down at the end of the day, so you have to carry it again. And, and he actually entertained, I have to be very delicate, but he entertained as a rational reaction to life, suicide, as a rational, not, not, a, a, not an emotional broken place, meaning I didn't opt in, so I opted out, meaning what's, because that's the way he saw things. Ah, but he was machadish, and this is the very famous part of the essay in the last three lines, which happens to be a very beautiful memra, but it's Sheker, and we'll speak about why in a minute and just how Sheker it is. Through the lens of Sukkis and Netzach and Moshe Rabbeinu, Rabbeinach, and But the way that he writes it is that, so what are we called upon to do then, trapped in this absurd, futile cycle? He says, one must imagine the face of Sisyphus at the end of the day, carrying his boulder back to the starting point with a look of determination. There's another word that I'm looking for. is a certain defiance, yeah. With a look of defiance. Meaning, okay, I'm stuck in this absurd situation. I don't know why, but the reaction is going to be, I'm, I'm going to take it. For what reason? For no reason, other than this is the reaction. Okay, so this is this is, Sisyphus, fine. What's fascinating is that the Baal HaYar Rabbi Nachman of Breslev, who, as a, a famed anti-philosopher, in the sense that he forbade his students from studying even Jewish philosophy, because his path was just different, and he felt that we could avoid all the potential pitfalls of falling into that kind of intellectual engagement with Yiddishkeit, if we just open our hearts to the truth of it, just as truth. Rabbi Nachman famously said that a Baruch who didn't start the Torah with proofs about God. He just said, okay, God created heaven and earth, and just take it or leave it, you know? So it was a different path. But there are many lessons in the Qutimran two in particular, where Ibn Achman says that the tzaddik needs to be well-versed in philosophy. He needs to be in that place, he needs to be metak, and he needs to fix all of these fallen ideas, and to find the value in them, and so on. So it's possible that Ibn Nachman knew about this myth, I don't know, but we do find a very similar parable. Listen to the very crucial difference. But we do find a very similar parable told by Ibn Nachman of Yurt said, or Rabbi Nachman of whose Yurt said it is now. Chai Tishrei. And this is the motion. Ibn Nachman says that there was a king and the king had a boulder. Can't make this stuff up. And This is how it is in the, the Sefer. The king had a boulder that he wanted brought up to the attic. And he told his son, I would like you to carry this boulder up to the attic. And the son starts heaving and hoeing and pushing and trying to lift this thing and carry it. And he's laying down, you know, just can, you know, all these different snapshots of the ways, you know, like like a Calvin and Hobbes type of thing. Like, you know, he's just trying to pick it up this way and that way. And it's just not going. It's not going. He cannot lift the boulder at all. He can't lift it, he can't pick it up, not budging. And he comes to the father after a whole day of not being able to lift the boulder. And he says, Abba. It's impossible. You gave me an impossible task. And so the king says, you're wrong on two accounts. He says, you're wrong first of all because you think that I would ever tell you to do something that's impossible. That I would never do. And number two, he says, did I ever tell you to lift the boulder to the top of the, of the palace hole?" Take a hammer, smash the boulder into pieces, and pick up piece by piece. The omek here, uh, we could spend the next, uh, not, you we're know, gonna come to an end soon. The depth here is, is, is like, like characteristic of Rabbi Nachman, it's just it never ends, never ends, never ends. First of all, if we're keeping score, Rabbi Nachman goes further than Camus in the sense of how futile life could be with the wrong perspective. Because in Camus, at least he could lift the boulder. In the end, it fell down. But in Rabbi Nachman's conception, life is so heavy, life is so heavy, if we don't know the secret of brokenness, which we'll get to in a minute, that you cannot even lift it at all. You cannot even lift it at all. But the Rebbe teaches, "Nasan to absorb the eyes of the tzaddik, which is what Rabbi Nachman's whole world was. It wasn't teachings in a book, oh, very interesting, oh, look what he says, and in the 32nd lesson of the Qutimara. No. It was a downloading of a consciousness. Breslov is the letters, lev basar, basi roisi, to remove the lev evan, and to give us a heart of flesh, a feeling heart to be human again. Rabbi Nachman says, There's only one way to be successful at this game called life, and that's if you're willing to embrace brokenness. If you're willing to know the secret of making yourself a little bit smaller than you feel comfortable being or projecting your image to the world all the time, to be open, vulnerable, to shatter yourself into little pieces, to recognize the brokenness that exists beyond the surface, and then to lovingly carry each little piece Kuli machim doesn't just mean take words with you. Dvarim are things. Many things, many things in our life. Many mistakes. Many places where we feel afraid. We feel confused. That's okay. That's fine. That's fine. And to lift those pieces up one by one by one by one. Because a broken heart is a heart that's open. And a heart that's open is a heart that's ready to receive the presence of Hashem. Rabbi Nachman says there's one way to make it to the top in this world, and that's by leaving the Diras Keva, and to connect to the eternality of the Diras Arai. To connect to a conception of life with things that matter to other people, just they don't really matter. They don't really matter that much. An image, a name, a, a position, this or that of politics, and he's in my seat, and this and that, and who gives him the right? It's pettiness, it's small, it's just small. And it takes constant reminding, and I know this because I'm small, and I'm petty, and I, work, I try to work on this, and I struggle with this, because it's hard, because this world is an illusion. And we need constant reminding to see beyond the surface Like Gal Shalat Salis, to see life for what it really is, at the core, and see people for what they really are, at the core. And anything that doesn't touch that that inner spark, it's just I don't have time for it, because I don't have time for it, because we don't have time for it. Because every second counts, because every second's a gate, if we're wise enough to take it. I'm gonna sing now a song that probably most of you don't know the chevra that were there last night and Edgeware, learned it a little bit. I wanna share it with you and then we'll do a little bit more dancing and then I think we can march out of here with great, with great joy and great confidence. And this is a song from Lukutim e maran The words are from Rabbi Nachman. Of some of the most famous of Rabbi Nachman's words. And so you'll be familiar with them. You're actually familiar with uh, a version of the words that isn't accurate. So this is, uh, is the, the same words, but in the actual wording. But it's a tune that's not so well-known. It's very deep. It's very, very deep. And I want to share it with you. Hashem, That she
1: Adam's arich lavo al geshet samio al geshet samio. That she Adam's arich lavo al geshet samio. Al gashet sami'on We know that <their> a man Al geshet Al geshet a I'll get you, I'll get you, klang <laughs> tiaika shlo i desperten klang shlo inget pachen klang shlo it pachen klang da la 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 da 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 la la Da la 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 Buffet cloud, we shall know it's bun cloud. We are a cloud, we are a cloud,
0: Slow song, and then we'll dance a little bit more, and we'll finish for tonight. If you know it, sing along. If you don't, you must learn it, and then you'll sing along with me.
1: La 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 love
0: I want to thank Rabbi Zobin and our install for hosting this, making this possible. I want to thank Ashley on the clarinet. Big round of applause for Ashley. I want to thank all of you for coming, especially our cousins over here. Unbelievable to see you. Ah, Welcome to London. And we should be to a sukkus that's filled with depth, a Sukkot that we really, really perceive to be a portal to a realm beyond, to see things for what they really are, a portal into simplicity. We should connect to the neshama of this tzaddik, to all the tzaddikim. And we should be to dance our way through the simchas beis hashoevas, through the Simchas Torah out into the rest of the year, and to Mamesh just connect in the highest way, in the deepest way possible. Thank you all for coming.